Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. Normally in the United States, this would be the time that most people will be paying their taxes, but the US, United States government has postponed that tax date. But still, you might be thinking about your money. And in this episode, I answer Robert Hahn, who has some questions for me on my Ask Me Anything episode about Bitcoin. He asks about Nano, is one of the cryptocurrencies he's interested in, also Monero. I answer his question about that and where should you buy Bitcoin? What's the best place to do it? Where do you store it? That kind of stuff. So I also made a video episode of this on YouTube. You can enjoy it there. If you have questions about cryptocurrency or anything, send me a question and I'm always happy to answer it, especially my patrons who go to patreon.com slash ftapon. These are the people who are supporting me and who make this show possible. Now enjoy the show about cryptocurrency. Robert Hahn, who put in the question. Robert Hahn had a great podcast episode. You should go back and listen to it. It's that we, we covered a lot of ground with Robert Hahn. So he heard my podcast about where I mentioned this is a great time to buy cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin. And he wrote to me, he said, hey, Francis, afterwards, I looked into the investment of crypto and I was wondering what your thoughts are about platforms for buying and storing the virtual currency. I was also interested in Nano for it being one of the more environmentally conscious approaches to cryptocurrency and Monero for better privacy, but maybe that's a fault because it's a favorite for dark money. I'd be curious to know why you chose Bitcoin, he asked me. Is it the assumption that it's the widespread adoption will win the race? First of all, where's a good place to buy and store cryptocurrency? I favor Kraken as a place. I used to favor Coinbase. Coinbase, though, has recently raised their fees to half a percent, and that's pretty high. Kraken is 0.16%, and that adds up over time, especially if you're buying a lot. So I And the customer service of Kraken is comparable to that of Coinbase. Coinbase has very good customer service. I was really happy with them. A lot of people don't like Coinbase also because of other privacy issues and all sorts of other things, and there's issues with Coinbase. Coinbase is the number one cryptocurrency exchange out there. Uh, so it's the most popular platform. You can also buy things on local Bitcoins if you want to buy face-to-face cash. That's another good place I've used often. I used that in Sudan when I didn't wasn't able to get money out of any ATM machine, any bank. There was an embargo when I was in Sudan, so I couldn't do any transactions. The only way I could get, get cash in Sudan was through uh, cryptocurrency, through Bitcoin specifically. So I met somebody on the street um, that I had prearranged and then he gave me $600 in U.S. dollars in cash. And then I sent him through my friend in Austria. He sent him some Bitcoin of mine. Complicated thing, but bottom line is it worked great. So most of the time in the United States or other places, you'll want to go to a cryptocurrency exchange. Um, there's many exchanges out there, hundreds of them probably. And you want to go one that has a reputation that's quite good and is... Um, is is has a lot of liquidity liquidity so that you can buy and sell uh, fairly easily uh, for that to me kraken is the best choice for that i'll provide links they have um, affiliate stuff in there but um you're it's i have the affiliate stuff there because it's a good way to make a little bit of extra cash it doesn't change your price at all but i believe in kraken because i use them i used to use coinbase they're still good, but not my first choice. 
Now, should you leave the money on exchange? Well, you should leave as much money on an exchange as you can afford to lose and not cry too much. So whatever that number is, maybe it's if it's $25 or $2,500 or $25,000, I don't know what your limit is, your personal limit to when you start to cry for having had that exchange hacked, then um, that is your limit. Otherwise, you might want to consider something like Ledger, this little device. And Ledger is something that kind of looks like a USB stick. And it does, in fact, have a mini USB um, connector to it. And it's a great way to store and securely keep your Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as well. Um, I'm not going to go too much into the detail of that. That little device costs about $80 or so. You should only buy it from a reputable seller, either from, you know, you can buy it from Amazon, you can buy it on Walmart.com and that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is you, you should you should get it from a reputable seller. Don't buy it used on eBay. It's probably not the smartest idea, even though you might save a little bit of dollars for it. Um, and there's other ones. There's one called Trezor, which is another place. But because it costs $80, it's obviously not really worth it to buy this thing if you're only going to buy $100 worth of cryptocurrency. It doesn't really make sense. But if you're going to start buying thousands and thousands of... This will pay itself, especially if your exchange gets hacked. And because... Bitcoin has never been hacked before. Nobody's been able to just go and steal somebody's thing. But exchanges have been hacked. So it's kind of like, um, it's hard to, to make an analogy there. But basically, you are, uh, if you have your private keys secure, then you will not have a risk of being hacked. It's going to be extremely difficult for hackers to get to your place if you have a thing like Ledger, for example, protecting you. So that's one place to store it. To buy it, I would say Kraken, but then there's other ones you could consider. I think it's a CXI, maybe. Um, anyway, you guys can investigate that. The other question was about Nano. Nano, um, I'm not as familiar with Nano. It's an environmentally thing, but I do have a general opinion on these alternative cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin has been the main cryptocurrency out there, has the highest market share. Um, right now, it stands at nearly two-thirds of the market is Bitcoin. And it has fluctuated over the years, but roughly in that range of 60-something percent is where Bitcoin stands in 2020. And recently, there was a point, I think it was in the middle of 2017, or was it 2018? I think it was 2017, that Bitcoin almost got usurped by Ethereum another cryptocurrency and there was a point where it got very close that almost but then eventually that diverged again and bitcoin became solidly number one once again now there's something you guys have all heard of moore's law moore's law is by gordon moore the co-founder of intel and gordon moore said that talked about how processor uh, speed and price performance will roughly double roughly every 18 months or so. Now, there's another law out there. It's called Metcalf's Law by, I'm going to say Eric Metcalf. I could be wrong about his first name, but anyway, Mr. Metcalf, <laughs> um, who helped develop the Ethernet protocol. And the whole idea of Metcalf's Law is that the usefulness of a network will increase by, I believe, the square of the number of connections. 
So, for example, a fax machine or a telephone is pretty useless if there's only a couple, but their utility increases exponentially as more and more people join the network. So the simple summary of Metcalfe's law is that the utility of a network increases exponentially once more and more people join that network. So as a result, Bitcoin, being a network of money, effectively, is much, much more valuable than a other product that is cheaper uh, or better performance-wise or stuff like that, but doesn't have as many users. So to answer your question, Robert, who specifically was asking you, like, is it just because they have market share? Yes, that is one of the lo- one of the big, big reasons that they have just market share. I'll digress a little bit and talk briefly about the Betamax and VHS um, debate that was going on when I was a little child in the 1980s. Back then, Betamax was a standard for a videotape made by, it was led by Sony, and it was smaller than the VHS tape. It was higher fidelity than the VHS test, VHS, VHS standard. And by all measures, it was a superior product. Meanwhile, VHS, though, had a lot more companies that were behind it. Uh, So Betamax only had Sony and I think maybe Toshiba, but all the other major Japanese companies were behind VHS and a few American companies. And so as a result, guess what? The VHS standard won. And the VHS standard is the one that lived until, of course, uh, DVDs replaced it all. But the point is, is that sometimes the inferior product... Win. So even if Nano is a better cryptocurrency than Bitcoin or whatever replaced Nano with anything, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will ultimately win out. Uh, same thing, by the way, another analogy is Apple computers. When I was a kid, I used uh, Apple computers, Macintoshes way back before it was fashionable. But Windows had better market share and Windows became the dominant platform. And here we are many years later, it still is. Um, and so... Sometimes the the best technology doesn't always win. Um, Sometimes it it, it requires better marketing. But Bitcoin is a very secure cryptocurrency. And that's, it's basically, think of it as a difference between, uh, Bitcoin is like a knife that's a really good knife. And that's all it is. Versus other cryptocurrencies, for example, Ethereum, is more like a Swiss Army knife. It does all sorts of cool things. Oh, you know, here's a feature. It has scissors, and here's a nail file, and here's a microscope, and, and you open this, and it does, you know, all these cool little things. And you're like, wow, wow, my cryptocurrency, in other words, Bitcoin, is boring. It doesn't do that. It's a simple knife. That's all it does is cut. Well, these other fancy cryptocurrencies sound so much more, they're programmable. They're so much cooler than cryptocurrency, than, than Bitcoin is. And... That makes it much attractive and appealing, but in the end, what matters a lot is Metcalfe's law, in other words, the network effect. So let's talk also about Monero briefly. Monero is basically a copy of Bitcoin's, uh, but it's added a level of privacy. First of all, there is through Nimblewimble, which is a way to increase privacy, um, in Bitcoin itself is a great protocol that you can use on top of Bitcoin. And there's a few other ones out there besides Nimble, Nimble Wimble that allow you to add a privacy layer to your Bitcoin utilization that can duplicate what Monero does. By the way, I was at time a big fan of something called Zcash. And Zcash had a better algorithm by most experts to 
make it truly um, private, as even more private than Monero. And yet it had all sorts of other flaws with Zcash because it's more like a corporation. It's more centralized. And a lot of currencies that have some sort of bonus feature have a downside to it. And so I would still focus on Bitcoin over all the other ones because of the fact that that it is the first. It's not just the first, but in many ways it's the best because it doesn't have any central centralized entity. Because Satoshi Nakamoto, the founder or the guy who created this whole thing, is this amorphous figure that we never know, and he kind of left, Bitcoin is not centralized, just like the internet is not centralized. There's not one person who controls the internet. There's not one person who's um, who's who can turn on and off or can fiddle with the internet. Internet now is the standards and things like now we have uh, the WWW uh, consortium, which sets standards for TCP/IP and other protocols for the internet or HTTP. These things are all now set by standards organization, much in the same way that USB. USB is another standard organization that that is conglomeration. And Bitcoin is in much in the same way. There's not one person behind it or one small group or a company that's behind it. And most cryptocurrencies have a single person, not, not necessarily a single person, but it has a, a certain amount of centralization to it. And that, to me, is a deal breaker. Because if you want something that is really going to take off, I think a decentralized thing is better because when you have it something is centralized then you have one throat to choke and the authorities can go in and then close down the operation if there's one point of vulnerability versus bitcoin because it's such a distributed network of money you don't have that problem and as a result it's less prone to being able to be banned or closed down or controlled or confiscated and all that kind of stuff that could happen so i think overall Bitcoin may be less exciting, less thrilling. It's more vanilla compared to all the other cryptocurrencies out there, but it is the best one that's out there right now. Currently, as I'm recording this in the middle of April 2020, the price of Bitcoin is around $7,000. It's uh, declined a little bit, since, but hardly anything since the beginning of this year. It was roughly around the same price at the beginning of this year. So it dipped quite a bit. It lost almost 50% of its value. And then it came charging right back up again, which, by the way, is for the course it happens all the time in bitcoin so you have to get used to that whenever you're um, investing on any of these cryptocurrencies so as long as you're being are you willing to weather that storm you should definitely consider it um, everybody will tell you that you shouldn't have more than five percent of your portfolio in cryptocurrencies i'm not listening to that i have much more than five percent of my portfolio but i don't recommend doing that necessarily i'm not a financial advisor so don't shoot me i hope that helps you a little bit Robert and anybody else who's listening in on this and uh, give me your thoughts and share with me your experiences with cryptocurrency and why you think it will fail and not be useful at all. But last thing I will mention is that I did have a article that I put out in 20 at the end of 2019, which I made my predictions for the year 2020. And I did predict that the Bitcoin price would be at $10,000 above $20,000 by the end, end of this year. Uh, but I wasn't 100% confident about that. Um, but we'll see how it is. Right now, it's it's pretty much flat since it started. And then, but I think at the last um, thing I will mention, another thing I just realized is that there's something called the halving event. And to try to summarize that simply, the Bitcoin system, the way it works is that there are miners, people who basically search and mine for Bitcoin. 
and those miners are rewarded with Bitcoin. In other words, they're paid with Bitcoin. And the amount of money, amount of Bitcoin that they're rewarded with has gone down in half every roughly four years. And this May of 2020, roughly near the beginning of May, there will be another halving. So right now, I think the reward is about 12 and a half, if I remember correctly, 12 and a half Bitcoin. Now it's going to go down to six and a quarter Bitcoin. So it's a halving event. And usually what happens is that there's a lot of PR, a lot of coverage in the media when this halving event happens. And so you're, if you tune in, you're going to start hearing about it. And what that does is that ends up drumming up a lot of interest. As people are saying, hey, what is Bitcoin? Oh, my God. The last time I checked Bitcoin, it was only $1,000 or $500. My God, it's already at $7,000. And then people pile in, and that often drives up the price. So my little tip to you is to get in, get buy Bitcoin before the halving so that you might appreciate, you might get some upside from it, but that's not guaranteed. It might go down, but historically, things the price has gone up around the time of the halving, which happens every four years or so. Anyway, that's a tip for you. Enjoy it. This is France Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn and go to patreon.com slash ftapon to support this podcast and all my little endeavors. I give rewards to all those who are my patrons so thank you to those patrons who are participating in this during these tough times during the corona crisis. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.